When Neil and I first got married, working together as business partners was far from our envisioned happily ever after. But yet here we are working full time on our small business from home every day. Today, we're sharing what led up to all of this and what advice we would give to anyone else trying to run a business or even just run a life together as a couple. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm here with Neil today, and we are going to talk about a topic that has been brought up a few times in Q&As. And also recently, someone popped into my DMs and said, I would love to hear about your career paths, both of you, and how that led up to doing what you do today. And also exactly a year ago, pretty much, we were in Palm Springs sharing a presentation at Alt Summit about working together as a couple. So today we're just going to share some of our tips, um, kind of our backstory into how we even (laughs) ended up in this position where we work together full time and um, some of the things that we've learned over the past several years. How many years has it been that we've both worked from home together? Uh, let's see. Um, I guess if it depends on how you're counting it. Lila's four. So probably f- at least five. Yeah. Maybe six. Even. Yeah. So it all started. Well, let's go back even before we moved here. So when Neil and I got married in 2011, he. Well, so I'll give my career a little short background and then I'll let him give his. So I had worked um, pretty much as a college student, as an executive assistant. It was one of those like, be careful what your first job is because it might end up being your forever job. And that was kind of the case for me. I started working for a company called First Line Security when I was in college as the owner's assistant, executive assistant, and I loved it. I loved the fast-paced environment. I loved being busy all the time and feeling like there was something new and exciting every day. So I did that for several years and then um, worked at a private equity firm for a year out of college, worked a little bit at um, the Orange County Business Journal back in 2007, um, using my degree, my broadcast journalism degree, and then ended up back in Utah right when the recession hit and went back to my that original company, First Line, and worked for the owner for just a little bit, but they were going through Chapter 11 bankruptcy, so they ended up basically letting everyone go eventually. And then I worked as a legal assistant for um, a law firm and then to on to my dream job at the time, which was the executive assistant for the CFO at Vivint. And I loved that job. It was just, it was so fun. I had the most incredible boss and I worked there until I had Annabelle. So that was kind of my professional background. So what was yours, Neil? Mine, I come from the medical device or medical sales sector. So I was in um, devices, which is different from the pharmaceutical. Um, I came back from my mission. Uh, I was up in Canada, came home, kind of didn't really know what I was going to do. Then my brother got me tied up doing durable medical equipment. So like back braces and traction units and stuff like that. And then as I was going to school, um, college, so I paid my way through college doing that. And then eventually just kind of figured like, hey, I love this. This is what I want to do. I really wanted to get into the surgical side of things. And so I um, got into, a, got with a company that manufactured orthopedic implants. So they did like plates and screws and um, bone grafts and stuff like that, um, knees and hips. So that was kind of really exciting for me. I loved doing that. I loved working with the doctors and the medical staff and different offices. And um, so that kind of was what, what I thought and really felt like I was going to do. Um, so when we got married, 
Karen and I, that's what I would, was, was doing. And then I, after, shortly after we got married, I, I got a job with kind of the, I was already kind of doing my, my dream job, so to speak, but um, got with a company that I'd really wanted to work with for a long time. Um, kind of one of the big, biggest orthopedic companies, Zimmer. So I uh, was, was excited about that. And then um, just kind of things were changing a lot in the healthcare realm. Um, There's just a lot of frustration, but then um, the recession kind of hit you guys late, right? Yeah, it took a, it took a few years. I think people kind of got hit in their jobs and then were struggling financially. And then that kind of translated within, a, you know, a couple of years later, all of a sudden it was like the surgical cases just slowed down significantly. And I think doctors saw a hit and then obviously were, you know, relying on those surgeries. So we saw the hit um, come from that. And so it affected affected that and then along with, you know, changes to healthcare in general, that kind of translated to a lot of a lot of different turmoil. But during that time, um, I don't know, we we really felt Corinne really felt um kind of just had a, a crazy impression one day. Um, as we were at the temple, that we needed to move to Southern California. Um, which... And this was like a year into me doing my blog, which you can you can listen to that postpartum episode. It's I think our episode two, um, all about why I started Mint Arrow and kind of where I was at. And it just, long story short, was a way for me to kind of dig myself out of that slump of feeling like I was just sitting in my pajamas in the dark in the winter at home every day going from a really fast-paced career to just being at home. And so, you know, I was really loving doing my blog and being a mom and I was kind of in my groove. Neil was happy in his career, but we really felt strongly that we needed to move to Southern California. So we did. So Neil, um, another very long story short, got a job with um, a company out, a different medical device company out here and started working in San Diego. So he was driving down to San Diego every day and pretty much like six months. It was basically six months, right? Yeah. After we moved here, um, they laid off his boss, then they laid him off and a bunch of other people it kind of all happened within like a weekend. So we went from having that security to suddenly being like, oh, great. Now, now what? So luckily, um, thankfully, I think it was a huge blessing. My blog was at the point where it was just starting to really be profitable enough that it could kind of sustain us. And the the plan at the moment when that happened was, okay, we'll just, Neil, we'll look for a job. I'll work as hard as I can in the meantime, and we'll just do what we can to survive. And it was fourth quarter and nobody hires during the holidays, especially in that industry. You know, it's like busy season. Nobody wants to slow down from their surgeries and train the new guy. They're just like in hustle season. So like a lot of businesses are. So by the end of that year, um, we kind of just felt, and there were a lot of job opportunities that really should have worked out that just didn't. Like things just were not coming together as far as Neil finding a new job. I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Well, no, that was basically it. I mean, it was, that was like a really hard, you know, I, we, I kind of felt like we moved here for this job. We really felt like we were supposed to be here and that it was right. And so I'm like, okay, great. This is going to work out. It was a, it was a medical device, kind of a startup company, really small. 
and it just was not coming together. It was a new territory. There was so many different challenges and issues and problems with it and kind of saw things coming. Um, so it was frustrating when that didn't work out. Um, and then after that, it just was what it was kind of even just added to the frustration for me of not being able to find, you know, a, a job. I think I was swinging for things that were like entry level as far as, I mean, at this point I'd been in the industry for, you know, coming up on 10 years. And so I was like, man, I've got the experience. I've got a degree, like what's going on. I, I'm just was so, so frustrated and there were a few opportunities that I thought were going to go through um, that ended up, you know, not going through. So I just was kind of, at the time, it just really didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, man, I'm trying to do what's right. I, I'm trying to follow, you know, what I what I think and what I feel, but it just was not coming together. Um, and so that was kind of where we were at at this point. Yeah, and I think it's important to, I think a lot of people have reached out to us or have shared things about job loss being super difficult and nothing could have prepared me for just how hard that would have been for Neil. And I've heard people say like, you know, job loss, it's one of the top three, I think, most stressful things that you can go through in your life. And I mean, I remember Neil sharing with me that 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 was a trial that felt harder to him than anything else he had ever been through before in his life, including like losing one of his brothers at that point. So that, that was interesting for me to try to deal with as a spouse, because I kind of was like, okay, let's, you know, let's just get up and go and move on and make the best of it. And I, it took me a while to understand that it was, that was like a depressing, really, really huge trial for Neil. So for whatever that's worth and for whatever that may you know, help people with is if they're going through that or know someone that goes through that. It's a, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add yeah, to that, but no, that was something, that, that was a huge learning experience for me, I guess. That was extremely say. difficult. I think because as a, I don't know, and it's society, culture, whatever. I mean, I think a lot of times it's like as a, a man, you're, it's hard not to define yourself by what you do. Um, I think it, I had to really work around that because I think I'd created an identity. It was like, oh, I feel good doing this. This is what I feel like. This is who I am. I've, you know, I love talking about my job. People would ask me about it like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. And like, it, it really, your identity is so tied to that. And I think that um, a lot of the society or, or different cultural things will measure you by that. And I think it's more of a, you know, like I said, like a cultural thing. So that's something that, that was a real huge learning experience to find like, okay, what I do is not who I am. Mm -hmm. What I do doesn't, it doesn't define me as a man. Um, and I think for so long it did. And, and it was like calculated by what I do and then, you know, tying, tying that to earnings and then tying that to providership. It was this whole complete package deal. Um, so I think through going through this experience and then being in recovery, especially yes. helped to kind of rework that to where I could put it in the proper perspective and be like, I'm me, I'm, you know, it's not, this isn't what it's all about. Like, of course, there are goals and things that are, that are important and you can build on, but I'd really been like, this is the foundation. This is, you know, the end all be all. If I can be successful in this area and, and, you know, do what's right and be a good person and, you know, as far as like my faith is concerned, then I'm, then I've, that's all, you know, like that, then I made it. But it's, you know, it's hard to get through that and work through that. So it took me a while to reframe that one. 
I'm just thinking about last week's episode with Sean Nelson and he was talking about like his wedding ring saying everything else is dust and that he's like the, the only thing that matters is your family and if you lose that you've lost everything and and Neil and yeah. I have talked a lot of frankly about where he was at in his addiction and where that was taking him and the addiction is progressive and that it probably would have just continued to get worse and we didn't find that real solution in recovery and working the 12 steps until after he lost his job. And um, and I think that, that I mean, my belief is that that was one of the necessary steps that God had in place for us. And that if he had lost his job in Utah, he had so many connections, he could have easily gotten another job. He would have probably found another job and then probably wouldn't have been humbled to find the solution that he found and that we were able to find. Yeah. Well, before, I mean, one fact about that, I'll just kind of just a brief side note on this is, so at that time, right, kind of when when all this broke for me, I was had been going to ARP in, uh, in San Clemente where we were at. And the addiction recovery program, if anyone doesn't know what, know what that is. is. Yeah. Um, and then meeting with my bishop, trying to work through, you know, re, re, you know, recovery and, and addiction. I remember him kind of having a conversation with me of just like, hey, man, you're like, you're still holding on to this. Like, you need to let it go. And so I took it seriously. I really felt like, I'm like, yeah, I am. And so I, I remember praying. And I'm like, you know, basically saying like, okay, it was, a, this was like a very, scary prayer to pray. I was like, okay, whatever needs to happen for me to overcome my addiction, like let it happen. And I, I, I said, amen. And of course, I was kind of like, me that he did I didn't this. say anything. I was freaked out. I'm like, <laughs> okay, is something going to happen to my kids? Like, am I going to die? Or like, someone's going to die, you know, whatever. I was freaking out, but I'm like, okay, like I need to get, if I don't have this part of my life figured out, nothing else is going to work out. And then it was about a week later that I lost my job and and could not get another job for the life of me. Um, and so, yeah, we can move forward. But but I thought it, that was a, a really pivotal moment for me. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. And it, I think that just to bring it back full circle, I think that you losing your job was a blessing, not only because we were able to be humbled enough to find the solution and to be hungry enough to find that, to do whatever it took to find the solution. You and I kind of came to that point at the same time, but also because I feel like one of the most important things it taught us was what you're talking about, how your job should not define you and what you do to to make money to survive on this earth should not define who you are. Those things are not the most important things. And we can talk about that in a minute. But anyway, so um, when Neil lost his job, we kind of, you know, with the best of intentions said, okay, well, I've got this business. It was, and when I say it was just barely starting to make money, it was just barely starting to make more than a hundred dollars a month. I mean, for the longest time I was working at the rate I was working and how many hours I was putting into it and what we were getting back, it was like 12 cents an hour. I mean, nothing for the first year, year and a half. And then right about when you lost his job at my two year mark, or let's see a little more than two years. Yeah. Um, that's when it finally was, okay, this is profitable. We can, we can survive off of this, but barely survive, but still, um, so I kind of was like, well, 
I've got this thing going, so I guess you can just come in and do whatever I can't get to. But the problem with that is it kind of turned into Neil being my assistant, which was a horrible idea. So uh, we tried that for a little bit, and that just went pretty terribly. I think that was a few weeks of us just saying, okay, if we keep doing this, we're not going to stay married. (laughs) So uh, at the beginning of that following year in January, we decided we loved doTERRA as a company. We had been using their oils for several years. I had started using their oils since before Annabelle was born. So at this point, she was a little over two, I think. And uh, we decided, okay, let's let's try this thing as a business. We went to church with a couple who um, were like kind of at the very top of doTERRA. And I basically begged them to mentor us and said, we're hard workers. You know, we will like, we have a lot of potential here. Will you mentor us? And they agreed to, which I'm still so grateful for. So um, Boyd Truman, who is um, one of the original U.S. founders of doTERRA, kind of took Neil under his wing and said, okay, I'm going to mentor you and and I'll take you guys on. And what we decided to do was that Neil would take his medical device experience, his sales experience, and run the business side of doTERRA. And I would take what I had built on Instagram and my marketing kind of knowledge from school and from what I had been doing with Mint Arrow, and we would combine that. So we put a little book together. We started um, talking about the oils and signing people up and and we were just really blessed. Like we were able to become successful with doTERRA pretty quickly. And I don't know, do you have any thoughts and feelings about that beginning, those beginning stages yeah. and how that all came together? No, it was, it was a slow process. I think I'd like read all these stories and heard all these things of like, okay, job loss is so hard. It's one of the hardest things. And then, you know, but on the other side, everyone always said like, okay, it ends up way better than what you would have envisioned when it happened. Like on the outside of this, uh, there's there's silver lining that's going to be incredible. So I was waiting for that, but for me and for us, I think it was it was a longer process. So DoTerra was an important part of this. So for me, I think it taught us how to work together. Yep. Because suddenly I realized, okay, we had defined roles, and I knew what mm-hmm. my position was more or less of like, okay, I'm going to work with you know the people in a role in education. And then building the business side of that and those who are interested in the business will work with them. And and Boyd was helping me in that respect. Um, and so, and I think it was really good for me from like a like an ego and a pride standpoint, because I'd for so long was so wrapped up in my like identity as a medical device rep. And, you know, there was a lot of pride and ego with that. So kind of it's like a cool guy thing to be able to is, be like, yeah. oh, like, I work in medical device cells. Yeah, there's for sure like that component of it. And people are like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, tell me, you know, they're interested about it. And they'll, they'll like, you know, they're like, wow, that's fascinating. Or, oh, can you, you know, my so-and-so is looking for to get into that industry. Like, would you talk to him? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, and so it was like this really positive experience anytime I talk about it. And then. Um, the funny thing about essential oils, doTERRA, like people are initially are so turned off. They're just like, oh my gosh, like you bring that up and it's like, kind of like, okay, well, cool. You know, anyway, crickets like, well, <laughs> sweet. What are you doing this weekend? Yeah. You know, cause I think people, there's such like a bad, especially if you're, you know, from the area, like, like Utah has a lot of those multi-level marketing companies and people are getting hit up a lot. And so people are kind of like, oh, like they, they, you know, there's a lot of pushback. So I think for me, 
it was really humbling to be like, okay. Um, but at the at the core of it, I'm like, hey, this actually is the company's incredible. The people that are the, you know, the founders of it are incredible. Boyd was awesome. Um, the products were amazing. I'm like, okay, this is actually way legit. Um, but it's got that wrapper that really people are, you know, struggle with. So it, it was good for me. I think it was good for me. It, it kind of chipped away at that ego that I'd built up in, in my previous career um, and kind of got me to a place where I was just like, hey, look, you know, this is a means to an end. It's more about impacting and helping um, people more so than a position or a title or an identity that you're you're buying into with what you do as a you know career so it was it was good um it was a, a really great experience and we still you know used oterra and are we still have a, a downline and and you know are still involved um we still you know, love the oils and, yeah but so probably two years later Mm-hmm. after working together for two years. And so, like Neil said, that taught us to work side by side. And one of the people who just made an enormous impact on us was, well, two people were Jared and Al from Solly Baby. They were gracious enough to sit down with us. Jared and Al were so cool when I reached out to them and said, hey, we want to work together, but we have a lot of questions. And how do you guys do this? And they said, come on down. And we we drove down and um, just sat down with them one night and they gave us their advice. And their top advice was have defined roles, have clearly defined roles of this is Neil's zone. This is Corinne's zone. You don't get into each other's lanes. You don't, you know, start telling the other person how to do their job. You just, you know, you have clearly defined roles. And that was something that we really learned well in doTERRA, how to work together and how to I never even checked into our back end. That was like all Neil's job. And then, you know, we would collaborate on the idea of how to market, but then he would just let me take off with it, you know, in whatever direction I felt. And I feel like doing those things together um, side by side, but not crossing into each other's lanes, that was something that helped us so much with learning how to work together successfully. So once we had really gotten into a rhythm after a couple of years, I just so vividly remember there was a weekend where my assistant had just quit. I had taken on way too many collaborations and um, was pregnant, newly, just barely pregnant with Millie and kind of in that beginning stage where I felt sick, but we weren't telling people yet. And it was the holidays. It was Christmas time. I flew my mom in to help me with, I had like all of these crazy collaborations and campaigns to shoot for. And on the same day that Neil had a training that would have been really important for him to attend and go be part of, I was just like, we have like 15 collaborations that we're shooting today. There's no way. Like, I need you. I need you here. And at that point, we had a really serious you know, talk about what are we doing here? Like I either need to hire someone to be like a business partner with me, or you need to be in this with me full time because I just can't take on the beast that Mint Arrow has grown into at that point. And so we just really felt good about him coming on full time. And I don't, do you have any thoughts about that? No, I think it was, I remember that 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 realization, and I think from a from afar, like I I think that I I saw things as well as like you know 
I'm like, you might want to focus on this or, hey, this might be helpful. I kind of had some ideas after, you know, a lot of my career, I was 1099. So it's kind of like uh, you're a 1099 contractor. So it's kind of like having your own business. And so ha- being that for so long, I understood different components of it and kind of like the numbers standpoint and tax standpoint and all that. And so looking at what Corinne was doing, one, I was very intrigued. I'm like, that's incredible. I mean, I would make a bunch of sales calls each day and and not be able to reach as many people as you can reach with one post. Um, you know, in a year, I'd maybe reach who you're, you know, the amount of people you're reaching. But then too, I saw things as well as I'm like, you know, you really should do this. You really need, you know, a-, a You're really gonna get thrown in jail if you don't start paying your taxes. <laughs> like, you might wanna start <laughs> saving for taxes a little bit. Um, and so, you know, or like, hey, you should have a, a weekly meeting, you know, and come up with content, plan your content. And then I'm like, why don't, you know, it looks like you need an assistant. And so once we made that transition and I think I- saw things that I'm like, okay, I saw places where I could add value and bring ideas. Um, and then Corinne was obviously amazing just with what she was doing and had already built it up. And so I think when we came together and started getting a sense of the overall scope of the work and scope of the business, then we were able to look at it and then kind of break it down and start, start seeing where our roles would land based on the scope of work that that was in front of us. And he really did see so many things that I could not see, including like you brought up the editorial calendar meeting. And I remember for years I had gone to blog conferences and listened to people speak about how to have a successful blog. And they would talk about your editorial calendar meeting being so key. And I would always say, well, that doesn't apply to me because we have deals that pop up every day. So I can't possibly do an editorial calendar meeting. And Neil Neil just blew that out of the water and was like, um, yes, you can and you need to. And so once I finally took his advice, I saw huge changes in the productivity of our work. And he was just able to come in and I think it was super valuable from an outsider, someone who was close enough to see the inside, but also be kind of on the outside, if that makes sense, to just see where we had weaknesses and see where we had holes and see where we could strengthen parts of our business. And so um, we just, we started working together. And I think we were a little timid at first that it may, we were like, oh man, is this going to be like that first time that we tried? But because we had learned to have such clearly defined roles, that was super helpful for us. And then I think the next thing that we did was using the strengths finder test. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Well, that was good. I, that was an idea. I can't remember where you found it. You found it from somebody, but it was basically a, an online quiz where you go through and you answer a series of questions. And then based on your answers, it kind of gives you a breakdown of what your strengths are. Um, and so that was that was helpful to do that and and run through and kind of get an idea of like, okay, this is the areas that I'm strong in. Um, these are the areas that Corinne's strong in. And then look at our our work, and then apply our strengths to to the you know what what work we're doing, so that we can be as effective as possible, and then really further clearly define out those roles and what we're doing. I remember where we found that out. It was from Michael Hyatt. We had oh, listened right. to Michael Hyatt speak in actually a doTERRA training a few months before. And he talked about how he has every person who works for him take the strengths finder test. And he said, we keep people in their strengths 
And we pay for the full test that shows you like one through 34. So basically the bottom of your, so they list them in order of your strengths. So the very bottom, even though they don't call them your weaknesses, they basically, those are your weaker areas. And he said, we keep people out of their weaknesses, away from their weaknesses, we keep them in their strengths. So as a kind of tactical example, one of the things that really came out of Neil's Strength Finder test was that four out of the five, I think, of his top five strengths were developing people, like getting joy and satisfaction out of helping other people grow and develop, which is such a cool lineup of characteristics. And so once we saw that, I was like, why are you not working with our team? Like, this is what we need you to do. And we were slowly building our team and bringing people on. And I found that I just wanted to hire everybody. Like when I would interview people, I'd be like, oh, I like you. Like, come work for me. And Neil was able to see with a much clearer perspective, okay, these are the things that you're looking for. This is this is what you need, Corinne. This is what's going to work out. This is what's not. And so he was way better at hiring than I was. Um, he also is so great at it. When, anytime we have a team meeting, he's so good at like motivating people, getting people excited, pumping them up, being positive, working through, you know, strategy with them, developing them. And these are things that I wouldn't have necessarily known had he not taken that test. So that was one of the coolest things I feel like that came from the Strengths Finder test was kind of this hidden talent that you have. I guess I knew it. If someone would have brought it up in conversation, I would have been like, yeah, Neil's so awesome at working with sponsees in the 12-step program. And he loves working with the youth and church. And he's always, you know, really good at building other people up, but I maybe wouldn't have thought of it in like a career sense. So that was one of the coolest things I think that came out of the Strengths Finder test was just finding that really vital part of our business that Neil could work in and strengthen and grow our team. Yeah. No, that was super, that was helpful just to be able to do that and then start looking at, you know, how I could implement that. So I I think it becomes, there is something kind of magical that happens. I think once we made that decision to work together, there's like a synergy that takes place between you. And then suddenly you're creating something new that's that's better than than what it was before, and I I felt like that happened. Being able to bounce ideas off of each other, and kind of build something together, and so you know I felt like there was initially it was like okay, well this is Corinne's thing, this is Corinne's business, and I'm you know it you know it, it took kind of approaching it with the right mindset and getting over you like it takes a lot of humility you really have to kind of set egos aside and and kind of do the opposite of of what you typically would in a especially in a sales type of career where it's like there's a lot of ego in it oftentimes um so setting that aside and just being like look there's something cool here that we can do together this will be better if we can both come together and focus on this, we can make something, you know, greater together than we can apart. And then having the humility to work together and listen to each other's ideas and then build it. And so that's been one of the coolest things for me is seeing how Mintero has developed along the way. And we've added different team, you know, different team members and different things and partnered with different people and companies along the way. And it, it kind of becomes this cool thing that we have together that we're, we're building and that we can, you know, it's, it's, we have full control over it so we can make the decisions that we want to make and, and really follow 
what we feel strongly about. And that's what, what I've been impressed the most about Corinne is she always follows what she feels deeply that God would want her to do. Um, and I look at this podcast, even that was something that she felt very strongly about. And so, um, that was, we're like, okay, let's put it together and let's, let's add that in to what we're doing. Um, it was like waking me up in the, in the middle of like a dead sleep, I would wake up and feel like, you need to do this podcast and you need to do it now. So that was something that Neil took on. And he, I just looked at him and said, I'm up to my eyeballs already in current projects. I so want to do this, but I can't take something on new. So do you have the time and the capability to take this on? And he was all for it. So he took the time to learn about podcasting. He took a course from Pat Flynn called, what was it called? Uh, Power Up Podcasting. Power really Up good. Podcasting, yeah. Just yeah. very basic. Shout out awesome. to Pat Flynn. Yeah, and, Pat Flynn's awesome. Yeah, he's so great. So he really took this as his baby and completely took it on as his project and decided to, you know, edit all of our episodes and help me with the production of it. We've got a company that helps us produce too, Dear Media. They're amazing. But he really took this on as his project. And I said, okay, if I can just show up and record and that's my only responsibility really, and then you're doing the rest, we can do this. And that's how it's, that's the only way this has worked is that was a project that Neil really spearheaded. And um, so one other thing that I wanted to share is that one helpful thing too that we've done a few times and that I feel like is always good to do periodically is to write everything down that needs to be done in your business and then just identify, okay, who's better at this? Because there just are things that neither of you are going to want to do. And there are some things that you need to do together and some things that it's better for one person to do than the other. But if you're kind of like, oh, well, I thought you were taking out the trash. Well, no, you took the trash out last time. So I kind of assumed you were doing it or whatever. You know, I think it's better when you just know, okay, this is this person's responsibility. And so Neil does all of our finances. He's in charge of all of our taxes and our payroll. And so I don't have to think about that because I know that that's something that he's taking care of. And it's really helpful to me and I think to him to know, okay, these are my exact responsibilities. This is what I'm in charge of. Um and I think one of the best ways to do that is just to force yourself for a few days to sit down as a business owner and write down every single task. And you can even do this if you aren't running a business, but if you just are running life together and you're saying, okay, somebody needs to do the groceries, somebody needs to plan the meals, somebody needs to be picking the kids up from school. And then you sit down and say, who, you know, who's better fit to do some of these things? And that's been helpful for us is just identifying, you know, who's doing what and what the responsibilities are. And that's constantly evolving too. Yes. Like that changes. And I mean, your kids' schedule changes. Like our kids, their their school schedule changes, then suddenly that shifts everything. So um, it's a constant conversation that we have or need to have is really checking in and seeing what the workload is and then divvying that out based on what needs to happen. Yeah, and that's something that, Again, Jared and Elle from Sally yeah, Baby told us like pivotal. as soon as you think you have the schedule all figured out, it changes. It's gonna change. Yeah. <laughs> so we have had to be adaptable and willing to move things around and change as new babies come or as our kids get older or their schedules change or our workload gets lighter or heavier or, you know, with seasons it changes too. There are just seasons where it's like we have to order in more food because I just literally don't have the time to be cooking. And then there, are, but I love to cook. And then there are other times where 
things slowed down and we're able to do more things as a family and whatever. So I think we should talk for just a minute about go back to that pride and ego part and talk about how to work through contention or when things pop up. And at least my two cents with this is that Neil and I don't work well together if there's any type of contention or there's any type of issue that we need to work through. We basically have to just stop everything and work through it because— Which gets very interesting, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Because when you're married to the person that you work with, like, it all kind of bleeds together and then, you know, can be— It can be be tricky. Really tricky to to navigate. But, but yeah, it takes, like, a really good communication. And I think for us, the— one of the game changer things in our marriage and in our business is that we take those 12 steps really seriously. And one of them is step 10, which is continue to take personal inventory. And when you're wrong, promptly admit it. And I think we both take that pretty seriously as far as, you know, even if we're a little bit in conflict with something, if I've said something, you know, that I know I shouldn't have said or been short or been grumpy I try really hard to stop myself and say, hey, I shouldn't have done this or I'm sorry that I was short with you. Or even if it's just a quick text or, a, you know, if Neil has left for something or whatever, I don't wait. I just I don't wait. I try to say it as quickly as I can because, you know, dissolving those things before they build up in people's minds or before it gets even more heated, it's just better for us at least. So yeah, you and any, I, well, and I add? think with that too, like you really, what I've learned, and and I think it came through recovery, is there's a phrase that that basically says to clean up your side of the street. So it means you, you focus on what what you have control over or what you're contributing to, positive or negative, to the situation. So I think that where there has been, when there is struggle, a lot of times it's, it's coming because I'm looking at something on Corinne's side of the street and I'm like, oh, you need to clean this up or it should be like that. And then, you know, it becomes like a battle back and forth. But really when it, when you stop and look at the situation and say, okay, what is it that I'm doing wrong or how am I contributing regardless of whatever I think about that other side of the street, you know, what do I need to clean up and what do I need to look at? And a lot of times when you can, when I do that, it takes a lot of humility, one, but then two, I recognize I'm actually wrong and I didn't want to admit it. Um, And so again, it's a humbling process to be like, you know what, you were right. And Corinne is right probably the majority of the time. (laughs) And so I'll be like, you know what? Yeah, I am kind of a moron. I'm sorry that I did that. And, and so then it's something that I have to look at, go back to the the drawing board and, and kind of iron out and work with and, and get better at. So um, that's something that it requires a lot of communication. And I think when it goes poorly is when there's, you know, assuming a lot of like, okay, well, I think, I think we're cool. I think this is all right. I I feel like we're, you know, or I'm assuming that she's going to do this, or I'm assuming this or that. And it's like, I think we really try and check in a lot. Um, I like when I come back and drop off the kids in the, from in the morning from school, I'll, I'll take them to school, come back. And then it's, it's a check-in like, Hey, how's it going? Which, what do you have going on today? You know, what, what do we have going on? What are the priorities? What, yeah. what do we need to focus on? Kind of having that check-in to start my day to make sure that we're united in what we're doing. And a lot of times if there is an issue, then it just takes hashing it out and hammering, you know, hammering through it and working through that process to then get to the point of like, okay. And sometimes it feels super ineffective to do it, but um, taking that time to work through it 
it pays off in, in the end because then you can get back to a better spot and focus on what, what really matters. Well, I want to add something too that I think is key. I think it would be, we would be amiss if we didn't mention this, that every morning Neil and I both really respect each other's need to have like personal scripture study. That's, that's just key for us. And so I know when he's reading his scriptures to give him that, you know, little few minutes of time, I do that every morning. And I think that that sets a tone. I think that's incredibly helpful as far as having peace and harmony in our home and in our business and having clarity of mind. And it just, if you think about it, whatever you're using to influence your life is going to filtrate into every part of who you are and what you do. And so I think that has been also incredibly helpful for us to start every single morning off with, you know, we read the Book of Mormon individually and um, we do that as a family too. We try to every night now with our kids and we've done that for years in our marriage. But I just think that that's one of our keys to success is that we take time every morning to do that individual personal scripture study. And it, I think it sets the tone for the whole day. So Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think that we have this conversation all the time. I look at, there are a lot of people that I look at, a lot of these you know CEOs and you get names that come up like Steve Jobs or um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or all these, you know, people that have been just are geniuses that have done, you know, they just wake up and can create amazing things and, and follow these processes, these brilliant minds. And I look at that and I, I'm like, I'm not that person. I'm not that guy that like, you know, I'm like, you married, I'll tell Corinne, like, oh, you married the wrong person. If you could have just, you know, married this techie guy that could build you all this cool computer stuff and software and understand algorithms and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you'd be made in the shade. But I think- Made in the shade, <laughs> I've never heard you, you like say that. that? <laughs> That's a, I pull that out of the bag there. Wow. But, um, but no, I think that really where I found success and where we found success is very simple and it's a, it's a spiritual approach. It's, it's trying to read the scriptures, pray, like be open to God's voice or what we call revelation and, and listening to and following that, whatever it says. I mean, and a lot of times it's something that like maybe doesn't even make sense, but it's like, all right, this doesn't make sense to me right now, but we'll, let's go ahead and do it. Let's focus on it. And then that is the thing that becomes successful. And so I look at, any success that we've had or I personally have had in my career before this or just in my life in general, it's not because I'm some super intelligent person. Um, I, like I have gifts and talents just like anybody else, but I truly believe that God understands who we are and understands our capability and potential and that if we listen to him and follow what he says that will be led to be successful in whatever sphere that we're in or wh whatever influence that we have. And we'll, we'll be successful beyond anything that we would have ever imagined on our own. Right. I kind of think of, and there's a phrase that, that this, this old timer in the meeting says, he says, if you got everything that you got, you, that you wanted, you would shortchange yourself for what God intends you to have or, or become. So I don't know, just kind of a few thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think bringing it full circle to when we started and what our life looked like and what we envisioned for ourselves when we first got married and Neil was doing this medical device career and I was just, all I wanted to do, and and I never want someone to take this the wrong way, but this was the only thing that I wanted was to stay home and have kids and 
drive a fun car and go on vacations. I mean, that was my shallow, like, I was like, I just want to be like this cute, fun mom. And there is so much beauty and so much, that is the most important thing is how you raise your kids. There's no doubt about that. Having said that, I just, I never saw myself as someone who would be a working mom. And yet I feel so strongly. I've had so many different confirmations over and over that this is what Heavenly Father wanted for us and wanted us to do as a family and as a couple. And and I feel super grateful that we've been able to share our faith with so many people that we've sent out over a hundred copies of the Book of Mormon to people because we've had an opportunity to share what we believe and share recovery with people. And the messages that we've gotten from people about what we were able to share with them helped save their marriage. Uh, that is the measure of your creation, the measure of your life. You know, when if this life ended tomorrow, I don't think Neil would really care that he didn't have the career that he envisioned with medical device cells. But I think that the fact that he was able to find people, help people find hope and healing and recovery from addiction, that's going to change the trajectory of someone's entire life. Yeah. And that matters a lot more. All I really, I've thought a lot about that. We had a lot of conversations before we broke anonymity about that. But I think I, I, it's the same for me. I mean, when we, even before we got married, I remember having that conversation and it was kind of like, I'm like, hey, you know, I really want to just be a good provider and, and make it so that you don't have to work. And that was kind of like my goal. Um, and so it was really working toward that. But I think, and, and Corinne, you know, same thing on her end was like, hey, I just want to be a mom. And, and so I thought that was how it was going to work out. But I, I look at what, we're, what we do now and I look at um, kind of the opportunity to, and it's, it's not anything about us being great or grand. It's about God working through um, seeing that potential in us and then using it for to complete his purposes. Um, and that's been really cool. And that's been the coolest thing, but it kind of took me having to get out of the way in order for that to happen. I kind of had to overcome my own ego, pride and expectations of titles, positions and, and worldly stuff to be like, okay, you know what? Look, I just want to do what you want me to do. And and it has. It's turned out to be something way cooler than I ever would have thought. Yep, I agree with that. So I hope this helped you guys and gave you some new ideas if you are thinking about working together as a couple or even if you're just working together, running a marriage and running a life and a family that, you know, you'll have a few takeaways that will help you and that maybe you'll learn from some of our mistakes and be able to have a little bit better cohesive working relationship so anyway thanks thanks for your thoughts today Neil yeah absolutely thanks guys thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow messages make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us and to get show notes go to mintarrow.com slash podcast and you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox and we'll email you every time there's a new episode